This is L'Inconnu Conversations, and I'm your host, Leila Gresh, founder and director of L'Inconnu Art Gallery. In this period of quarantine, where we are all physically isolated from our communities, we connect in a digital sphere as a means to remain interconnected. I opened up the podcast to informal conversations with friends of the gallery, artists, curators, dealers, collectors, etc., members of the community, you could say, to express and share between each other and also extend it out to our audience as to what is happening right now and, and what has happened and to include the rest of you in the conversation. So put in your headphones, go for a walk, blast it, do what you got to do and enjoy. Okay. Yeah, we're recording. So, hi, Victoria. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'll give you a proper full name introduction. So, hi, Victoria Genzini. Do you want to tell us where you are right now and what your experience has been in the last few months, I guess, for you um, of quarantine? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm in Milan, and I've been here since, I think it's two months now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I divide my time between London and Milan because of work. Yeah. Traveling quite often, but for a series of coincidences, because I had to have some dental procedures done, take my wisdom teeth out. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was in Milan for a longer amount of time and I was due back in London, uh, which never happened in the end because the day I was due back was almost just after the lockdown. Okay. Uh, the weekend that they locked down. So I had decided to not leave because I, I kind of. I felt that it was going to be a bit intense. I didn't realize I was never going to leave the house for two months from that Saturday. <laughs> but um, I did have a, an inkling that it wasn't going to be amazing. So, yeah, so I've been here for the last two months, quarantined, and it's pretty, pretty serious. So you need permission to leave your house for any particular reason, even if it's just for going to the supermarket. There's police in a lot of places you need to wear a mask by law uh, and gloves possibly so it's quite an intense urban experience and it's like being in the Wuhan of the west I guess yeah Yeah, because I remember touching base with you like around March 11th or so and you had already been in quarantine for like two weeks at that point and yeah more or less yes because it started and then there was a weird reaction which was, I think, because people weren't very informed. So they started to think that, like, ah, Milan doesn't stop, you know. So yeah. we stopped for, like, two days, and then we sort of carried on, and then we stopped again. Okay. Uh, because we realized it wasn't really sustainable. Mm. Yeah, because I remember you saying that you could only leave for groceries, like, to go to the grocery store, and... I told yeah. some people that, like, because I was in New York at the time, and everyone's like, oh, okay, that's, like, an exaggeration or whatever. But yeah. it was definitely a precursor to, like, what was about to go down with the rest of the world. So, Yeah, I realized in those weeks when I was speaking to friends who yeah. were abroad like you or yeah. in London, it seemed very foreign, the idea that that might happen. Yeah. It was like phoning in from the future, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> Did you see that movie, uh, Horse Girl, on Netflix? No. Okay. No, wait, it's the one with the horse? No. Um, it's the one with, um, oh, what's her name? I'm like, um, Alison Brie. 
And there's this scene mm-hmm. where she's on the phone and she hears everything that's going to be said in the future. And she says it, oh. or like, I don't know. So <laughs> any- yeah, more or less it was that kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. feeling. <laughs> But yeah, so at which point, and like whatever you feel willing to share of your work experience, how did it transition? So like, do you want to tell the audience a bit about where you're working, what your position was, and how it shifted in those weeks? Yeah, I mean, so at the moment, I'm working at Massimo de Carlo Gallery, where I've worked for six years. Yeah. And um, I'm a PR and events manager. So obviously, my job at between London and Milan, Mm-hmm. Obviously, my job is very difficult to pursue in a moment like this because uh, everything that is, you know, um, events isn't really happening. Yeah. <laughs> everything that is art fairs isn't really happening. There's definitely a side of press office that is still relevant and, and going because communication is probably the sphere that is working the most in some respect in the world right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that didn't sound very, but you know what I mean. No, definitely. Uh, I didn't phrase it properly, but um, yeah, so obviously, and also I work between two cities. So my, my biggest shock from all of this is to be in one place for a long amount of time and to have a very domestic life, yeah. which I think when you, when you work in the art world, it doesn't really happen. Because no. you tend to be, um, by choice, very <laughs> yeah. busy. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there's obviously a, a part of the business that relies a lot on going out mm-hmm. and doing things and seeing people, and that then does also balance with the social life. And then I don't think you know I used to cook sort of four times a year. <laughs> <laughs> Your big Italian dinners. <laughs> I'm very, I'm an excellent cook, but I discovered I have absolutely no fucking patience for it. So. Yeah. Um, and I'm not designed to be someone who cooks every day. No, no, yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> no, I, I've tried my best. I am really doing yeah. my best. But it's difficult because for a moment as well, you couldn't really order Deliveroo either. Yeah, they <laughs> So it was that. like being in the 1980s or something. Yeah. <laughs> very, but without the restaurants. So I, I do miss restaurants immensely. I think mm-hmm. that's one of my, the first things I'm looking forward to do when it will be possible. Sure. And... Also, you already had experience in Art Fair Online with Art Basel Hong Kong as well through the gallery. And what was yeah, your experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the art fair, the, the whole online thing is really interesting, I yeah. think, you know, because uh, the art world sort of didn't, I, I don't think that to say that they didn't take the digital realm in consideration isn't fair, but uh, I definitely think there was a, a different pace to things where things mainly revolve around people meeting or at least uh, being seen and, and going to places. So a, a sort of mobility to it and, and physical exchange, that fairs are also, you know, the, the perfect playground. It's not just a business place, but it's, there's a whole atmosphere to it mm-hmm. that, that is part of the experience. So I think it's really, really difficult to try and translate that online. online. Mm-hmm. So I think good on them for trying. Yeah. And it's definitely something that they'll they'll have to improve. And yeah. in general, both galleries and fairs seem, seem to be doing quite a lot, mm-hmm. and museums. Like, mm-hmm. sort of, maybe museums were more have more of an educational side, so they have you know more of a, a digital side to them. But I think for galleries and and fairs, it's a completely new world. Yeah. 
and and also I don't I don't think it's just for the institutions themselves as 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 in fairs and galleries, but I think it's also the people who attend them, yeah. you know, and and it's really reading into that taste and and understanding how you translate that taste into technology because they're very different worlds. Definitely. Um, mm. Yeah, and also just the whole sales process is really kind of a back and forth. It's not just a quick click. So being yeah, able to I mean, I'm not in sales personally, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I don't really know. I can't speak for for the gallery at all in the, in that respect. But I speaking to friends who are art dealers, it's definitely quite an interesting moment because it seems to be that there is there is people who are willing to buy. Yeah. Uh, at the moment but they're also probably people who are not so yeah. it's sort of a, a shift in economy I would say yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be quite interesting and also another um well I guess it sounds strange to say fun thing but a way that you've been um I've observed digitally coping yeah. with the quarantine is you have the best meme research <laughs> oh, thank you so much <laughs> I'm really happy to talk about that yeah <laughs> if you want to go a bit into that sequencing and how it, maybe it's also like an expression of creativity because it's a balance of high and low culture yeah, and, I think, yeah. yeah the thing is when I I've been thinking about this quite a lot but I think there's a side of of me and, and I think I find it in some other friends that have um let's say sort of serious art jobs yeah yeah <laughs> where you you know you tend to have to be quite you know just very not icy is not the word, but quite composed. Yes. Um, you know, you have to take things quite seriously. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know, I think when you are in this kind of job, but you have a creative mind, yeah. it is quite difficult sometimes to find the right ways to unlock that. Yeah. And yeah. I, I feel that I don't know, I just I've always been into memes. I find it such a fantastic way of communicating. Yeah. <laughs> it's really like a kind of modern haiku, you know, yeah. of yeah what's going on they're, they're so because they, they capture now mm-hmm. and sort of make it quite funny and and also insightful and some are quite cutting edge I would say there's a lot of really tough sense of humor I've been into them since ever I had Instagrams we're trying to understand them accumulating them yeah yeah and then I think in this time of where I really had nothing to do but just felt immensely creative <laughs> I started posting them as some kind of um, little collage, maybe yeah, you could like say, a weekly or... collage. Yeah, exactly, kind of weekly collage of what's been happening. Because I spend quite, as I'm guessing, a lot of people these days, uh, quite a lot of time on my phone. Yeah, and even if it's not, you know, a consequential amount of time, there's even if it's an hour, it's quite dense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think I've been, yeah, sort of in these tunnels of research and and trying to sort of understand how people are reacting to this whole thing that's happening yeah yeah and I guess comic relief is a sense and then also just trying to find meaning in it all yeah and I think exactly and I think really sense of humor and lightness is Mm -hmm. such an important thing in life in general so if you can have that now and also through that maybe analyze what's happening in a light-hearted manner then yeah I I think it's quite it's quite good people seem to enjoy it yeah I, I yeah it's like a type of medicine in this time yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <of> meditation <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah so we met 
through the Sotheby's program in London where I was completing my last semester and you were starting. And I remember you telling me about that you first started curating when you were 16 through this limousine project. And so I wanted to know if you had any memories of that that you wanted to share or just how maybe that would translate today or anything like that. I mean, I think like I curated a series of things when I was younger, but just out of the pure idea of trying to put things together it's a bit like the memes again you know yeah. just this idea that you can get different people and different talents different yeah. works of art and yeah. connect them and try to say something or yeah. maybe say nothing you know yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. just see how it goes so yeah. um i think one of the projects i enjoyed the most i did during university i was studying at central st martin's in london and i met a series of friends so there were four of us it was a girl named Polly Wright, who is now a curator, and uh, she was studying the same courses as I was. And then uh, two artists, Jean Féline and Edouard Bioja. And we, we did this thing called One Night Stand. So we did sort of unusual <laughs> exhibitions in unusual places, like uh, we did one in an off-license, and we did one in a fried chicken shop, and then we did one in a internet cafe so it was kind of this idea of take and then yeah we also did one in milan in a hamburger shop so (laughs) it was this idea of like um again this high and low (laughs) yeah but the 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 fun thing was that the artists who were invited to take part in these were asked to make small works that could kind of fit into the fabric of the spaces so Mm. i remember joshua press who's a painter for the show in the off license had done sort of mini mini paintings portraits and we installed them yeah. <laughs> where the cigarettes were sold because they were kind of the same size same size of a cigarette bag so yeah and then Jean had done these glass works for the fridges where they kept beer and iced tea so <laughs> it was kind of fun yeah. and then yeah there's sort of these things of placemats were done when we did the one in the fried chicken shop so it was all really fun and I would love to do that again actually yeah (laughs) and I think at the time at the time Instagram wasn't a thing really Mm -hmm. I mean it was but kind of early early days so Mm -hmm. what makes me a bit sad about that that the documentation we have is not great we have some photographs and some essays we wrote because obviously we were studying a lot of semiotics at the time (laughs) but yeah I think I I've been thinking a lot about I think as most people about everything I've done in the last 10 years because I haven't stopped (laughs) like this for a long time it's been really interesting yeah and yeah I think just to to memorize and to think about these projects is really good at a time like this because I think we need that kind of positive energy that that you had when you were a student at university and it all seemed very possible yeah no definitely (laughs) I think I'm feeling very much that energy. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's kind of like a return to pre-internet you, you know, or like this point of reference that was just yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. and I think that that's just what you have, especially if you're quarantining alone right now. You know, you're really forced to spend time with yourself. <laughs> yeah, and then sometimes it, I mean, before I was in the shower, I was yeah. like, oh enough of my head (laughs) yeah 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 it's it's an up and down but in life it's it's like that regardless of quarantine it's just that we have much more time to 
really realize it. You know, we have good days and bad days, but then maybe we can blame it on outside circumstances. But right now, like the only outside circumstance we have is that we're in our homes. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And you've kind of already gone through this, but I've been asking, what's your quarantine routine during this time? Yeah. So I, I like that every day is a little bit different mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I just feel like I don't really have that luxury a lot normally yeah. in normal life. I tend to be very strict with my routine, you know, yeah. so when in normal life, wake up, do yoga, have breakfast, go yeah. to the office, the send the email, phone call. So there is a kind of routine that uh, maybe some days more hungover than others, but yeah. more or less that's kind of how it is. Uh, so I've been having a bit of a luxury of not having a routine, but yeah. there is some key things for sure. It's yoga yeah. that I'm doing every day. Great. Uh, and that just really keeps me grounded. And yeah. I, I feel I'm doing a lot of work right now with yoga on my roots. Mm-hmm. And like on, the root chakra. Yeah, on my lower chakras, on my lower banda, and sort of trying to really, and a lot of pranayama breathing. Yeah. So that's something I'm doing I'm reading poetry every day which is really luxurious and nice I'm actually learning one by heart in French because I want to practice my French that's a little routine and then I'm watching every day there is a terrible movie Uh on a really bad Italian channel that American sort of B not even B not maybe C thrillers yeah uh, dubbed in really kind of neutral Italian but I feel that the way it's dubbed is incredibly relaxing because the dialogue is really banal and means nothing really because it's like bad translation yeah and I know there's sort of a very relaxing feeling to it so every day after lunch that's what I'm doing (laughs) just watching that movie yeah I had a moment with that everyone has terrible hair (laughs) Yeah, I had a moment with that with like Virgin River on Netflix. It's just like okay, such, no, it's that. so bad. It's like the combination of like Gilmore Girls meets Heart of Dixie, which are also like D-list television shows. Yeah. But they're just so predictable that it's comforting, you know? <laughs> There's a real uh, relaxation to it. So yeah. that, and then uh, unfortunately cooking, but that's not always a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there is a few uh, friends I speak to on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so my best friend. And yeah, there's a few friends, like three or four, I speak to on quite every day, kind yeah. of 10 minutes, check in. just to check in and see how we're doing, what we're up to. And yeah. It's nice. <laughs> oh, that's great. And what time would you say? Like, do you stay up late or do you? No, no, I'm quite, quite normal. I, I think like I usually like watch the news in the evening. Maybe sometimes I'll have aperitivo yeah. with a friend, like have a glass of wine on the terrace and then that's cook, watch something. Um, probably I go to bed around midnight, I think. So quite normal. That's good. That's good. I read, read in bed and then I wake up. It depends. Like these days I've been sleeping a lot. Mm-hmm. Naturally, I mean, I smoke a lot of weed, so <laughs> I don't. I'm quite chill yeah, most of the yeah, time. It's good. It takes um, some of the worries away. <laughs> it takes a little bit the edge off. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say, yeah, I sleep probably until eight or nine. But sometimes, maybe the only disruptance is that I tend to wake up around four or five. Yeah. A.M. and then until six, be in this kind of limbo of thoughts. Yeah. 
but yeah, so th that's pretty much the routine. Morally. Sometimes <laughs> I find in that window of time, the half waking, half asleep period, that a lot of great ideas come through. Like, yeah, know? no, definitely. It's really nice to then go back to it in the morning. Yeah. yeah. If you manage to like enjoy Remember. the ride yeah. and not be too scared or paranoid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so what do you envision like in a future, let's say if you had woken up, what would you see as like your next steps being in this imagined future? In an imagined future where yeah. there is no more coronavirus. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I would like to... I don't know, maybe to be, I think on the same path I am as, as, as I am now, like going, developing maybe some great ideas I had in this quarantine yeah. and making them into something um, real, mm -hmm. I guess. I think that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> and also just nice to maybe go out and <laughs> see, I would really like to swim yes. <laughs> in Lutmi. Yeah. I think that would be a very simple pleasure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and going for aperitivo with my friends. Yeah. <laughs> Very simple pleasure. Yeah. And I think that that is like a great way to look forward at the future, just to break it down to simplicity and it doesn't have to be as complicated as it was. Yeah, because, you know, I think one of the, the things I felt uh, slightly stressed out at the beginning of this quarantine was that a lot of people were like, okay, then this is the moment where I'm going to yeah, learn all the languages yeah. I never learned, yeah. read all the books I never read. And, finally write that novel I've been yeah. dying to write and you know and that sort of expectation of like oh fuck you know I'm always complaining that I don't have time to do shit and now I have all this time yeah. and you know I think that causes like a second layer of anxiety because then you feel this sense of having to be productive so I think there's a great leisure because I'm extremely privileged so I don't, you know, I'm in a condition where this affects me um, to a certain degree, obviously, but um, not, you know, uh, much less than other people, I think. So I really have the, the, the leisure, you know, yeah. the, the, the sort of privilege to yeah. read books and, and improve myself yeah. if I want to. And you know, but without having the to have that fucking pressure on yeah. to do it. And through the improvement, you will attain, like, your next novel or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, know, like... exactly. It's like, I think it's very much about, it's actually a really nice time to mm -hmm. getting, I think because I, I turned 30 this year. Mm -hmm. So it's just like a really nice time to get to know myself a little bit more. Yeah. Because I feel like, you, you know, you're so much on the go all the time. Yeah. But then you also have to, and this is something I, I've been talking to a lot of friends who have kind of similar jobs in maybe fashion or art and yeah. very, you know, frivolous, if you want, kind of yeah. <laughs> um, practices in some way. And, and, you know, you work a lot and then you tend to schedule even the time that is meant to be for yourself is scheduled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, um, so it was quite interesting to not have that schedule and to just be able to... Um, yeah, uh, I think I I know myself enough. After two months, this can be over. <laughs> I'm be I've been very glad to meet myself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I that, think it, there's going to be a whole lifetime of that. Out that. <laughs> yeah. So whatever it is, I hope it's out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And have they given an end date yet in Italy? Um, in terms of when uh, businesses will start. No, actually, the president is speaking tonight at eight thirty. So. Okay. Well, because we're meant to be reopening gradually on the 4th of May. Yeah. 
but that doesn't seem to be I mean I think it will but it will be very gradual because the numbers unfortunately are still quite high so Mm. there's been quite a lot of confusion so I'm te- I'm trying to like step by step uh, listen to the most factual things I can because yeah. uh, there's a lot of politics in it so it yeah. just becomes very con- confusion also because I, I guess people are going crazy by now you know everyone yeah. wants to be out yeah but I, sometimes you know giving the people what they want is not necessarily no. in line with what's happening medically so I don't know yeah really. I heard that in Asia they let the children back to school and now they've had to reverse it again because it's yeah. shown mm-hmm. up. So it's really important, but yeah, I mean, we are free citizens, so it's, <laughs> it's a balance between, you know, keeping us safe and then also allowing us to live within our rights. Yeah, exactly. I think it will be a slow process. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Victoria. I really appreciate you oh, taking the time. Such a pleasure.